Baptist Church, Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to take you to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. Mark chapter number 16 is similar to Matthew 28 in that it is titled The Great Commission. And I want to read several verses from that passage, beginning at verse 14. Here beginneth the reading of God's word. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were chilling. They were reclining at the table, the Bible says. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who said that they saw him after he had risen. Verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whosoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whosoever does not believe will be condemned. The King James says damned. Verse 17. And here's my text. Here's my point. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. Verse 18. They will pick up serpents in their hands, and if they drink any deadly poisons, it will not hurt them. They will lay hand on the sick, and they will recover. Verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them, listen to this, and confirmed their message with accompanying signs. And he confirmed the word with signs following. And so my subject tonight is, God always confirm his word with signs following. I almost, I almost titled this tonight, Where Are the Signs? Because I was getting a little frustrated as I was thinking about you know, the way our churches have been socialized in the last, you know, 40 years since I've been saved, 45 years. God always confirms his word with signs following, always. Um, I feel like I need to see some more confirmation. I don't know about you, but um, I feel like when I was younger, when I was young in, in, in the church, there was more of a demonstration uh, of the power and the spirit of God. We saw, we saw the, the hand of God. I remember going to preach in the country of Liberia many years ago. That's when I, when I, when I could preach. I can't preach no more. But when, when I was able to preach, I used to go. And, and <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. Uh, we went to Liberia to preach. And um, this was 2001, I think. If I'm not mistaken, and, and the 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 war, the civil war, was ongoing at this time. If you remember, um, Charles Taylor, and anyway, they were killing one another ridiculously. It was not only Liberia was involved in the civil war, but they had pulled in um, the Ivory Coast. They had pulled in other other the countries that were near them, and so it was just a complete mess. And I remember traveling around with Bishop Stewart and and he was pointing out this one and that one that was healed and that one was healed of that and this one over here was healed of that. And, 
And finally, we got to this one guy and he said, you know, this man, this young man here was raised from the dead. Everybody in the van, we were in this little van. We were all um, taken aback. We were shocked, literally. And and I share that with you because um, if you read the Gospels and the Book of Acts, uh, it happened on a regular basis. Well, maybe not on a regular basis, but it happened that people were raised from the dead. People were healed from various diseases. Uh, in other words, the word of God that was taught and preached by the disciples and the apostles was confirmed with signs following. I hope I'm not scaring anybody tonight, but I, I want you to hear this. Uh, I, I want you to reflect with me. When was the last time you, you heard of or saw a notable visible miracle in the church? How long ago was it when someone told you that God healed me like it was like night and day? One day I was sick, almost to death, and the next day God healed me. When was the last time you heard of a notable miracle in the church? I hope it wasn't too long ago. Because I know God is still healing and delivering people. But my, my suspicion is that many of today's Christians, and especially our young people, I've never seen or heard of a verifiable miracle being done in the house of God. If you want to hear one, talk to Brother Winston. He's on here. Is Brother Winston on here? I hope he is. I didn't see him come in, but Winston is a living miracle. If you all remember him a few years ago when, when he contracted stage four colon cancer. And we all, I mean, we all went on our faces praying for him. But he was at death's door. I was visiting him in the hospital uh, regularly. And I could tell you, it was the hand of God that touched him and healed him and brought him out of that hospital. And I praise God for that. Now, um, I, I feel I need to ask, why, why is that? Why, don't, why aren't we seeing more and more visible manifestations of God's power, of God's healing, of miracles? I don't know the mind of God and, and only God performs miracles, but I believe that one of the reasons for this lack of the miraculous in our day, or maybe I should say perceived lack of the miraculous in our day, is that as a group, our, our faith has fallen below the level of where the miraculous can be engaged. We are living by sight and not by faith. As the scripture commands in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, Paul tells the church at Corinth, we walk by faith and not by sight, y'all. If you can see it, it's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, the evidence of things not seen. And so I believe God is looking for people who is willing to walk more by faith and not by what they can see and touch. And I believe that when this happens, it will be like we are back in the times of when Jesus walked this earth, when we are back in the times of the miraculous, where it was happening on a regular basis. If we return to a faith-focused walk with God, allowing our faith to soar and believe the word of God without doubting, 
I believe that God will return to a time he will respond to our faith by performing miracles and signs and wonders. This, my friends, will result in the filling of our churches. Our pews will be packed. You'll be saying to your brother, could you scoot over a little bit? And bring back a time of true revival that will be worthy of the gospel message. Please remember that what we read, that whenever we, you know, wherever we, we, we preach the gospel and teach the gospel, wherever we go, the Bible tells us that the Lord promised to confirm his word with signs following. I mean, the simple fact is that we do not allow him into our programs. You know, our, our, our church services are so programmed that we don't allow the spirit of God to take root and change lives. It doesn't just happen like this. A person, like the, like on Sunday, we baptized one person. It was planned. They had emailed us and texted us and said, I'm coming to be baptized. So we, we, we were prepared for that one person. But then I always ask, is there another? The Lord is, has been dealing with you. If you are here and you want to be baptized, please come on up. And lo and behold, there was another person. To me, that's an act of faith. That's, you know, that's, that's God doing what God does. You know, if you, if you, if you do anything spontaneous like that for God, I believe that God acknowledges it. You may not remember this, but some, some months ago, there were like six or seven people that came up to be baptized just with that invitation that I gave. Spontaneously. It's definitely a sign that God is with us. And if the Lord is with us, listen to what Mark said. He will confirm his word with signs following. Signs following. And so we should be seeing miracles, signs, and wonders in the church. Of course, the speaking of tongues and the interpretation is a sign as well. So that we know happened. But I, I, I don't know about you, I'd like to see, I'd like to see God move in a miraculous way, in a way that people cannot, uh, people cannot question it. Yeah, I know that there are some that says, you know, miracles are not for our day. You know, they say things like, that was for the time of the apostles only and for the disciples. But that's not what the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter number 13, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have had many testimonies in the last several years of, of healing and deliverance. So God is with us, right? The Lord touched Sister Jennifer not very long ago. She has a testimony. I mentioned Brother Winston Coley. And there are others that have a testimony of God moving miraculously in their life. I want more of those testimonies. And what's going to bring that about? Our faith. Our faith needs to come up from a place of low expectation to a place of high expectation. 
If the Lord was not with us, such, such, such signs would be non-existent. But the fact that we have evidence, we have testimonies, is indicative of the fact that God is with us. So I want to share some some specific references from from the text um, that confirms that. Um, I believe that that God is on edge, wanting to to demonstrate His power, wanting to demonstrate His His His, his miraculous uh, gift to us. But He's He's waiting on our faith. So, so if you remember many times in the scripture where the Lord heals somebody, he will also sometimes say, according to your faith, such and such is done to you. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? Thy faith has made thee whole. Come on now. The Bible has been telling us all along, we, we, our, our, our faith is the key that unlocks the miraculous. It is what God has always wanted to do on our behalf. And so we, we need to just let our faith soar in God, believe in the miraculous, believe that God can do a work that is beyond uh, what we are able to ask or think. I think of Sister Teresa, who is in need of a touch from heaven. And, and we, we believe that God is able to do these things. I want to unlock the miraculous among us. So when we look at the pattern that Jesus gave to his church, what we see is that the Holy Ghost will perform miracles, signs, and wonders. When we ask, it's simple. Ask and it shall be, it shall, you shall receive, the Bible tells us. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh finds and to him that knocketh shall be opened unto him. When we preach and teach his word throughout the world, he promises to faithfully confirm it with supernatural signs, healings and miracles. I'll draw your attention to the lame man that was at the temple gate, beautiful. Peter and John going to church and they're returning home from the temple and the man that was lame from birth, he was lame from birth. He stretches out his hands begging, right? Because he's lame, he can't work, so he has no income. So he stretches out his hand, asks for, the Bible says, an alms, right? Alms. So, some, some, whatever you have in your pocket, whatever change. And what did Peter and John says? Silver and gold, we don't have, but what we have, we are willing to give it to you. <laughs> That's another message right there. If you don't have it, you can't give it. You can't give it if you don't have it. Such as I have, they said, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The Bible tells us that he made the attempt to get up and they grabbed his hand. And the scripture tells us that strength entered into his ankles and his legs. And he stood up. Later on, the Bible tells us that he went around leaping joyfully and running. And the people that were there noticed him and recognized that, that he was the same guy that was sitting at the temple gate begging. 
miracles, signs, and wonders is available to us. Where are our signs? Where are the signs of God's miraculous work in our lives? Now, I know many churches are, are, are content with only preaching the word of God, but have no expectations of the supernatural. They have no expectation of God confirming the word that is preached. Uh, we call this word only ministry. Uh, this would have been completely foreign to the Apostle Paul because he writes to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. He says, quote, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. The fact is that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power is absolutely essential to effective ministry as Jesus intended it. Signs and wonders will follow the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Listen to the writer of Hebrews chapter number two. He writes, quote, how shall we escape if we ignore such great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. I mean, it's very clear. I believe that if we get serious about letting our faith soar in God, if we if we get back to all night prayer meetings, if we get back to uh, seeking the Lord with zeal and enthusiasm, uh, yeah, I believe that God will respond to our zeal. God will respond to our cry and the miraculous will flow. I remember uh, in John chapter number four, verse 48, the Bible tells us, uh, unless you people see a sign, Jesus told him, unless you see a sign, you're never going to believe. Believe me when I say that I am the father, the father is in me and I am in him. At least if you don't believe that, if you don't believe my word, Jesus said, well, believe me for the signs. Believe me for the evidence of the work themselves. Chapter 14, verse 11 of John. If you don't believe me, believe my word, believe the signs that you have seen. I believe that if we start seeing the hand of God, the writing of the, on the wall, so to speak, if you see God performing miracles, we couldn't build churches large enough to, to, to hold these people that would come in because they would believe when they see it. The Lord is saying, if you don't believe my word, what about these miracles? What about what you see? This man was lame from birth and now he's walking. He's leaping, the Bible says, and praising God. What about that? Who could do that if not God, right? And, and I think that is the, that's gonna usher in the end time revival. That's going to bring about the kind of transformation in the heart and souls of people that they're, they're gonna have no choice but to believe. <laughs> they're gonna be like, okay, I got you. I know, I know him. He was right on the corner of Albemarle and Sharon Amity. 
I've, I saw him every Sunday coming to church. He was begging, he could hardly walk. And now look at him. It's that kind of dramatic evidence uh, of the spiritual transformation that I think God will do if we allow ourselves to be used of him in the miraculous. God, God desired that everybody should believe his word only, right? He said to Thomas, it's cool that you believe now that you have seen Thomas. Now that you've seen the, the, the wound in my sign and the nail prints in my hand, it's cool. It's good that you believe that, but blessed even the more for the person who has believed without seeing. That's faith. You see how that works? Faith, the faith uh, doesn't require sight to believe. The call of Abraham is emblematic of that. God says, leave your house, leave your family, leave your kindred, leave, leave your flocks, leave all of it and just go. And I'll talk to you and I'll, I'll, I'll be your GPS, right? Just go. And he did. The Bible says he left not knowing where he was going. He, he searched for a, a country whose builder and maker was God. He left not knowing where he was going and, and God built around his faith, the great Jewish faith and the great Christian religion. And so we look to Abraham, the father of the faithful, because he didn't need to see God in order to act upon what God was telling him to do. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do uh, as your pastor. I want you to believe that the miraculous is possible. I want you to believe in it, even though you haven't seen it. Yes, I want to see some miracles. I, I know my message sounds a little back and forth here today, but, but I want you to see it. But it, it's even more beautiful if you can believe it without seeing it. And there, there's certainly a human tendency to want to see dramatic evidences of spiritual things before we believe. Jesus knew this. And he desired that everyone would simply believe his word, but he understood human nature. So he performed miracles so that people would believe that I, that he was God manifest in flesh. And so he said, if you don't believe my word, look at my miracles, believe that. Amen. And if you remember reading in John 2, at the wedding of Cana, the Bible says this was his first miracle, right? His first miracle. When he performed his first public miracle at Cana, at the wedding feast, the Bible says that this miracle inspired faith in his disciples. And the Bible makes the point that it is at this time, at this miracle, that his disciples began to believe that he was truly Messiah. John 2, 11, when Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee, what he did was his first miracle, his first sign, through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You will see, if you read the New Testament, Carefully, you will see this pattern repeated throughout the four Gospels and also in the book of Acts. Number one, the Gospel is preached or taught. People believe 
it wholeheartedly. As they used to say, they swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And then healings and miracles and supernatural science confirm or validate the word that was preached. And then people are saved. People come in. When people believe, that's all God is looking for. That faith, that belief. And the Bible says that thousands were added to the church in that day uh, when Peter preached in Acts chapter number two. And then we, we mentioned Acts chapter number three, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. This is concerning that, that lame man. The Bible says that he, he went in with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting at the temple gate begging for arms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement as to what happened to him. Verse 4, but many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Come on, somebody. Our church, the first church now, if you were to add all the services together, we roughly run between 350 and 400. Uh, if you were to add in children's church or first kids and, and the Spanish congregation or the French congregation, we're closer to 500. But, but what about 5,000? Don't you think that there are people in and around East Charlotte that needs to hear the good news of the gospel? <laughs> Maybe we need to go to another service. Maybe we need to get a, a bigger building. But the gospel must be preached throughout all the kingdom for a witness, and then shall the end come. Everybody will have an opportunity to accept or reject Jesus, and that will ushering in the end time. I want to emphasize this point. This is why it's so important for us to have the Holy Spirit alive and active in our lives. In this example of Peter and John coming from church and, and, and having the faith and the, the resonance of the Holy Spirit in them, they said, I don't have money, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. I want to emphasize that point a little bit. I always say you need God to live for God. You've heard me say that before. And, and I want to make uh, a special emphasis of that. You can't give what you don't have. We need God to live for God. And if you're, if you're currently witnessing to someone, if you're currently trying to share the word of God with someone, before you do that, make sure that you ask God to enter you and season your words so that when you speak to them, you're not speaking them of, of yourself. You're speaking them, speaking to them through the Holy Spirit. That somehow God will speak through you and they will hear God, not you. You can't give what you don't have. So we need to have the Spirit of the Lord in order to share him with someone. Listen, the dramatic growth of the early church was consistently a result of God's word being preached, taught, and confirmed with supernatural manifestations. And so we, we don't want to deprive 
our churches of that. I know many people today, they don't even, they don't really, they don't really believe in the supernatural evidence of God's physical manifestation in the church. And in Acts 5, verse 12, we read, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. That's all you need to read. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Not just Jesus. The apostles. They performed many signs. Acts chapter number 5, verse 12 through 16. And all, all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's porch. Solomon's colonnade, they're calling it. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people were brought sick into the streets. They laid them on the sidewalk, if you will, so that at least when Peter and John walked by, their shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by, and that would, and that would heal them. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And the Bible says all of them were healed. All of them. So as we continue to read the book of Acts, we see the actions of the Holy Spirit. Many signs and wonders confirmed the word preached by the apostles. Widespread healings occurred and multitudes continued to believe and to be added to the church. I'd like to see that again. I know we have a little here and a little there, and I'm not decrying that. I want to see it widespread. I want to see the gospel preached without reservation, without hesitation, and that people uh, fall to their knees as the Bible predicts and confess Jesus Christ as their savior, uh, that they that they are convicted into their hearts and they say, as, as they did on the day of Pentecost, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then you now get an opportunity to say, well, repent. That's what you should do. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Get baptized and those sins are washed away. And the Bible says that God promises to give you the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will transform you over time. For those of you who have the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. It may not happen like that. You get the Holy Ghost. You may have a little stammering lips. You may speak in tongues a little bit. But, but if you continue to feed that Holy Ghost with the reading of the word, with attending church services, with having spiritual conversations, you will find that little by little, over time, you are being transformed, as Paul says, the renewing of your mind, right? That's how God works. A little bit by little bit, he will transform you from what you was, where you were going, to what he wants you to be and where you need to go. 
If you study the book of Acts carefully, you will come across uh, 10 spiritual awakenings. Uh, these are revivals in the book of Acts. You'll find that nine of the 10 of them were definitely linked to a notable sign, healing or miracle that was done. And to, to repeat myself, unfortunately, we do not see much of that uh, practice in, in modern day churches. My question again is why isn't that happening more and more? Right? Why are we not seeing more and more of that in the church today? Is God tired or is he taking a nap? Of course not. I believe that he's waiting for our faith to come up, as I told you, to be engaged and, and expecting the miraculous. After Jesus uh, rose from the dead and, and went back to heaven, the church that he founded continued to preach and teach the word of the Lord. But it was taught with visible power, miracles and signs. Not just power in their preaching style, which of course we all desire, but also power to heal the sick, power to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. The Bible says, cast out devils in Jesus' name and more. It was a combination of the word preached with dramatic expansion of God's power, bringing people into the kingdom. I believe that we will see a revival of signs and wonders in our day uh, in a much greater sense, in a much uh, larger uh, sense, so that we can, we can, not prove to people that people could see that God is alive and well in, in, in our world today. Uh, I run across way too many unbelievers, but when they see a sign, as Jesus said, if you don't believe the word, believe the sign. Right? So I believe that we will uh, return to a, a time when there will be droves of people coming into the church. Uh, when when signs and wonders and miracles uh, are, are being performed on a regular basis, our faith will be tested, but we will need to strengthen our faith and watch and see God respond to our faithfulness with miracles, signs, and wonders. And that will be the catalyst that dramatically expands the church in the end times. I take you to Acts chapter 8, Brother Philip verses 5 and 7, 5 through 7, verse 9, verse 13. The Bible says Philip went down to a city in Samaria. And he preached Jesus there. When the crowds heard Philip, by the way, Philip was not an apostle, just a regular disciple. He wasn't anybody, he wasn't one of the 12. Right? Philip was just a believer. That was full of the Holy Ghost, right? The Bible says, when the crowd heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with screamings and shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse nine, now for some time, a man named Simon, who would practice sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. Verse 13, Simon himself believed 
and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now, remember now, this is not the apostles doing these mighty works. Philip is just a, remember, Philip was one of the early deacons like Stephen, right? Acts chapter number six, verse three, verse five. The Bible says, preaching with power in Samaria. His message was Jesus Christ, verse eight, chapter eight, verse five. And that should always be the central focus of our ministry. But Philip didn't just preach. The Bible says he cast out demons and ministered healing to many, including the paralyzed and the lame. And the result was a great harvest of souls. And I believe that if we get back to this fear, fearless, uh, fearless preaching of the gospel, we will also see a return to miracle signs and wonders. A, a, a ministry of the gospel powerfully preached, mixed with demonstration of the Holy Ghost, power and miracles, signs, wonders, will lead to a, har a harvest of souls. And even in this case, uh, Simon the sorcerer was a, was a sorcerer, was a wobia man, was a believed in Santaria, whatever you call it. He, was, he, he messed with familiar spirits. Witchcraft arts, right? We see here in this case, Simon the Saucer, a hardened sinner, a person who deals in witchcraft. He was locally famous for his witchcraft, made money from it. Even he was converted by Philip's preaching. And the Bible says that the supernatural and miraculous signs that he saw was what caused him to become a believer. He was astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw Philip perform. What uh, finally, and, I, and I'm almost done, uh, we, we see Paul writing in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 4 and 5. He says, my message and my preaching were not with fancy words and persuasive words and wise words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom only, but on God's power. You see that? And you shall receive power. Acts chapter number one, verse eight. Many of you can recite it. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Here in Judea, next door in Samaria, Jerusalem, everywhere, the uttermost part of the world. And here we see Paul summarizing that it was the power of the Holy Spirit through miracles and signs that brought about the results of thousands of people being saved over and over and over again in the early church. Here is the motivating factor. If we are not content with just speaking wise and persuasive words, if we turn our hearts to wanting to see God's demonstration of power and miracles, 2 Timothy 4 and 2 says, if we expect a faithful God to confirm his words by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, we will see a great outpouring of souls for the kingdom of God. We have to expect it. Paul is writing to his brethren in, in, in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 7 and 8. And he says, quote, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you're, you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You don't lack anything. You don't lack it. 
And we don't lack it either. We have the Holy Spirit. What we lack is faith. What we lack is the spirit of expectancy, a desire to see it happen. And I know many church leaders and contemporary theologians have fallen for this falsehood of uh, this doctrine of what's called cessationism. Uh, it, it teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped at some arbitrary time between the first and the second century. That, that, that was only for the apostles. I believe that the Bible contradicts that. The Bible clearly declares that believers will not lack any spiritual gift. So if it was good for them, again, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was good for them, it's good for us. What happened to them, and this uh, is truth is, is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's what the Bible says in Acts chapter number two when the Holy Ghost was given. It's for you and for your children and to everyone. Everyone who was afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible clearly declares that believers will not lack any spiritual gift. So as we wait eagerly for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in this time, God will confirm his word to us. Uh, verse 7 of the Living Bible says, Every spiritual gift and power for doing His will are yours during this time of waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The 1st century, the 5th century, the 14th century, the 21st century, and all others, during this time of waiting for Jesus' return, the anointing of the Holy Spirit continues to empower the preaching and teaching of His Word. And he also continues to confirm his word by supernatural signs and wonders, healing and miracles. So that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 5, our faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. God's power. Mark 16, 17 in our text. And these signs will follow them who believe. In my name shall they cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And, and if they happen to drink anything that's deadly, a poison maybe, it will not hurt them. They place their hand on the sick and the sick will get well. Speaking in tongues, casting out demons, healing of the sick, these and other supernatural manifestations are a part of God's great commission, which is for all the world. We are in the church age. So I tell you this, you can be used of God in the supernatural. All you have to do is extend your faith and believe. You, yeah, you, like Philip, me, any one of us, the sound of my voice, you can be used in the miraculous. You can lay hand on the sick and they will. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast 
and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.